You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. Our mission is to reach people, release heaven, and restore culture, sharing in the love of Jesus and all we do. We hope you enjoy this message. That's when we're doing it. Even if you're not sure if you want to start one, come and maybe there'll be food. You can have free food, right? That's why we all go to Costco, right? It's for the little snacks and stuff. And, or is that Sam's? That's Sam's. Gives it all to Costco. Man, my kids will hit them in rounds. They'll just keep coming. Kenzie more so than the others. She likes the food. She'll just send the siblings to get more. She's like, Dad, really? Oh, man. I want to talk with you a few minutes this morning um, about a, a topic that I haven't talked about in a little while that I felt like we needed to re-hit, and it's about sacrifices in the New Covenant. Jordan did an awesome job last week preaching about Jesus. Um, no, he didn't. I was listening. He, he, he did a, I don't remember what he talked about, but it was really good. No, he, um, he talked about just uh, breaking the cycles and the reality of this better covenant that we're in. And one of the things he had talked about was, you know, how things have changed from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant and how... Um, you know, it was rough before. You had to wait a whole year, you know. You, you mess up, and it's like we're waiting around for a year for that lamb. And how many of you know that then the perfect lamb came to be slain? And it took care of the need for any more bloodshed. And so I think that um, I have this passion, right, to, to bring the new covenant message and reality to the church, but to keep a healthy balance of not becoming, um, how do I say this kindly, new covenant kind of spoiled brat that, that can be like, I don't need to do anything. I'm in the new covenant. Jesus is in me. I'm in Jesus. We're good. And um, the reality is, is you don't have to do anything at that point for your salvation. It is taken care of. But how many of you know if you're going to be in a healthy covenant relationship, there's responsibility on both sides? Husbands act like you know what I'm talking about. And, um, there is, um, uh, there, I say it this way often, when, when you come into a marriage, um, the closer I am, the more, uh, my wife and I, we're together a lot. We work together. We, we do just, we're together all the time. And it, and it takes actually intentionality to pursue each other when you're together all the time because you can get all too just, you're around each other so much, you can get easy to become passive in your relationship. And so I actually believe that the, the closer you are to somebody, the more intentionality it takes to be in pursuit of that person. And so what we often hear is this message of, you know, the new covenant message, which we are in a great covenant and a better covenant, but it doesn't mean that we just get to um, sit back and be fat and happy until Jesus comes. Amen, John. And so... I believe that, you know, thank you, Lord, that the, the need for bloodshed has come to an end. The, the lamb that had to be slain to take care of our sins for another year, that was taken care of. And often we think sacrifices, thank goodness sacrifices were dealt with. Well, in much of the case that was true, but the reality is, is that Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice so that you could then live a life of sacrifice. He came as the ultimate sacrifice, but that you could live a life of sacrifice. And there were sacrifices that made it through the new covenant. And we're going to talk about this this morning because I believe that we want to sustain a move of God. We want to experience a move of God, but I'm not interested in a move of God that comes through in a wave, crushes the local church, and moves on. We've seen that historically. There's a lot of churches that we historically look at that had awesome moves of God that now are not much left of them. Because it wasn't built to sustain. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about some keys that I believe that the Bible shows us about sustaining a move of God. And I really love what the Lord is doing at the gate. I love, you know, I, I come in and I, I come to the, the, the team huddle usually first on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And I love that the people of this house are sensitive to what the Lord's doing. I love that when I meet somebody, you know, when I talk to somebody, there's just a sensitivity of what's the Holy Spirit doing in this moment. We're not on repeat every Sunday. Can I get an amen? We're not herding you in and out in 25 minutes and on repeat and doing the same. We're trying to say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing today? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking today? We have notes. We have a list. But Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to do today? And so we're really, really intentional about wanting to host a move of God. 
and I love what the Lord's doing, and I love that I can feel things shifting in the atmosphere right now. I can feel more shifting in the gate right now than I think I've ever felt before. I said it about three months ago, every time we'd have a staff meeting, I said, I feel like we're relaunching the church. Just, I can't explain the feeling. Like, I got to step in, and then we did a launch when we started um, lead pastoring. And then I felt like a restart, like God was doing something so new. It was like, here we go again. And we've been just sensitive to, to, to walk along and say, Lord, what does this look like? And I believe that when outpouring happens, naturally, people are going to show up. And I believe that there's one group of people that loves that. There's, there's one group of people that can get really caught up in numbers. How many people can we get through the doors? And then there's kind of another group of people that's like, well, as soon as we get over this number, it just doesn't work anymore. I've had people tell me that many times. They're like, well, as soon as you get over 700, it just doesn't work like you wanted it to. And I, I believe that the Lord gives us some instruction of how to sustain a move of God as increase comes. And so we're going to... Uh, Let's talk about community for a few minutes and go from there. How many of you understand that community is intentional? How many of you understand that community is not as fluffy and easy as it sounds? <laughs> I, 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 see, I see so often like all these like, you know, signs that look so cute, and I'm like, man, that's not really. Community is messy. <laughs> Community is messy. Getting close to people and, and you beginning to see the bad side of them becomes messy. And them seeing the bad side of you at times, it's messy. And it's not easy. I find that really about 10% of what we do in community is, is natural. What does that mean? About 10% of the time, do you just have some free time? You're like, hey, let's hang out. About 90% of community is you saying, I'm going to create space because I need to be with other people. This is the truth. And we know that it's important because Jesus did life. He did ministry in community. He didn't need anything, but he came and he walked the earth to demonstrate to us some really powerful things. And one of them was that he did kingdom ministry in a group. And they loved him. Jesus was so good at being able to do life with people that in a moment, he could say something that was so hard. And they would be like, whoa. Like, like when I say so hard, like, hey, listen. He's talking to a group of people. You guys are going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You know that's communion. They didn't know that was communion. He didn't give them, listen, I'm going to say something that could be slightly offensive. I want you to know it's a metaphor. I don't want to upset anyone. No, Jesus just throws us out there. Listen, you're going to drink my flesh, eat my blood, and or drink my blood, eat my flesh. And all of a sudden we see that like, Everyone disappears, and he's back to who? He's back to his community. Why? Because they had put in the time to do life together so that when those deep, truthful things came out that sometimes even hurt, they didn't leave. See, we see that happen in church all the time. Waves come and waves go. Jesus was dealing with it. I don't blame the church. If we're going to blame the church, we would have blamed Jesus. Because he had it happen to him. One of his biggest sermons, he lost most of his church congregation that day. But a small group stayed. <laughs> I love Peter. Peter gets really, we all give Peter a hard time. But I think Peter is my favorite because Peter gives hope to everyone. <laughs> Peter is the guy that, like, it's always saying something dumb. You feel like, I meet some people that are like, I always say something dumb. Just read about Peter. You're safe. I promise. <laughs> Peter, Peter looks at Jesus, and he's like, all right, all right. This is tough. Everyone's left. Peter said, this is tough. All I know is that your words bring me life. Where else would I go? You see, Peter, through doing life with Jesus, had experienced a side of life that the others had not experienced. He had been rooted in this community. He had been rooted in this life. And we see that, and I'm getting really off track, but we see the power that when something hard came, everyone else left, but the ones that said, my heart's connected to this, we're here. It wasn't that it wasn't hard. Peter even said, this is really challenging, but I'm here. And I believe that often it's not as organic and fluffy as, as we want it to be. Man, I wish it was, but we're all, people are just busy, you know? 
And it takes us saying that there has to be a sacrifice for this to happen. And I'm going to show you, it's actually, it's actually biblical that it's supposed to be a sacrifice. Open your Bibles if you would. Go ahead and open them to Hebrews 13. And could I get a water from any of my team? Um, I don't have any water. I'm, about, I'm really thirsty. Thank you so much. She's amazing. Isn't Christy amazing? Well, now I feel bad because she ran out to get one. See, I'm going to take a sip and give it back to you before she gets in here. There you go. Oh, yay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll let your family tell you how amazing you are. Um, <laughs> okay. We hear this slogan often. We hear this slogan often that we're going from a crowd to a community, which is super hip and super cool. I think, though, we're not even supposed to be just a community. I think that we're supposed to be a family. I think the, the kingdom of God was demonstrated. I don't think... If you don't understand family, you're not going to be able to sustain a move of God. You won't. You can't sustain a move of God in revival services. You'll wear out. You can't sustain a, God, a move of God in church services. You will wear out. You can't sustain a God. You can't sustain a God. Well, you can't sustain a God either. But <laughs> it was created to work in the dynamic of the, of the, of the context of family. It's how he designed kingdom to work. And so that's why we see that people, we meet brilliant people that can create amazing services that don't even need the Holy Spirit. And people will fill and fill and fill and, do them and show up. But the reality is, is sooner or later, somebody gets tired and we see the failure and burnout of ministers keep happening. And, it's, and, and we can often sit back and judge them, but we're all the people that are showing up. And it's not fair of us to do that. And so I want to see something where we begin to lock into the reality of how community works. And so let's read this together. Um, Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Do not neglect to extend hospitality to strangers, especially among the family of believers, being friendly, cordial, and gracious, sharing the comforts of your home, and doing your part generously. And, by, and for by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. <laughs> this is fun. Do your part. I wonder how many, how many times we've entertained angels and we have no idea. Now I'm going to flip over and I'm going to read another scripture to you from Ephesians. You can write it down, 310. So now through the church, through the multifaceted wisdom of God and all its countless aspects might now be known to the angelic rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What does that mean? I love this topic on angels. That's, angels are actually often coming to learn from you. Most people think that they get this idea of angels, like, woo, they're angels. Angels are created beings, your sons and daughters. Big difference. They carry out assignments. You carry out identity. They're coming to experience things from you that, honestly, I've, I've thought a lot about this. And one of the main things that I think that they can experience from you that they can experience from God is the realities of grace and mercy. They're surrounding that throne, but God doesn't need that. You do. I do. There's something interesting to the angelic host of heaven that it says that they actually learn from you. I think, again, I... I you can throw this out if you don't believe it, but I believe the angels are enthralled in the idea of how you could go from who you used to be to who you are now as a son and daughter of God. It's something that they don't experience as created beings. Grace, forgiveness, mercy, things that you get to walk in that they don't. And it says that, it said that in Hebrews that, listen, be hospitable to strangers. You don't even know. You may be entertaining Angels. It says in the Old Testament, we read about these sacrifices that were made. I'm not going to, again, Jordan taught on this last week. I'm not going to go over it again much, but 
there's three sacrifices that I believe in Hebrews. If we read on a little bit farther in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, there's three sacrifices that we read about that made it through the covenant. Verse 15 says, through him, everybody say through him. Therefore, let us at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips and thankful and thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Do not neglect to do good and to contribute to the needy of the church as an expression of fellowship. For, for such sacrifices are always pleasing to God. The scripture gives us three sacrifices that made it through the cross. The first one being praise. I'm hoping I can break these down. Today I'm actually I'm kind of going backwards. The first one is a sacrifice of praise. The second one was a sacrifice of doing good works. Helping the poor, acts of kindness. But the third sacrifice that's listed there is a sacrifice of fellowship. Three sacrifices that we're supposed to carry on is a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of good works, and a sacrifice of fellowship. Now, what we need to understand is that when this, when this passage was written, it was, not a, it was not a time in our church history, hear me out, that the disciples were just sit, sitting around twiddling their thumbs. They were seeing massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand this because these guys, God is moving. <laughs> He's moving big time. People are getting, like, saved by the thousands. And in that season, they say this. Listen, if, if we're going to see this thing sustained, if we're going to keep this pure, if we're going to keep this rooted in what God wants, that there are three things that we have to stay connected to. A sacrifice of our praise, a sacrifice of doing good works, and a sacrifice of fellowship. I think it's easy to get caught up in all of the, uh, I call it the, the fun stuff, you know. I love, like, laying hands on people, and they get healed and getting touched by the Holy Spirit. Like, does anyone else have fun with that? It's okay. You can say it's fun. It's so fun. I love watching someone that's come, that came in that has been depressed for years and watch the Holy Spirit hit them, and they start cracking up. Some of you could use that right now. <laughs> just, just the Holy Spirit just hits them. I've watched people that standing in their seat, and I watch them the whole ser service like a time bomb. And they're, you know, they're just like, I can see the Lord. It's actually the Lord moving. And then they just, and they start dancing. And they get set free. I love these things. I love watching the lonely get placed in families. I love watching people get healed when the doctor said, there's no way this can happen. And Jesus said, <laughs> I love this stuff. I love watching kids dancing up here on the stage. I love it. But I also realize that if we're going to sustain it, there has to be a sacrifice of fellowship and praise and good works. It has to be there. Here's the thing about sacrifices. They only become a sacrifice once it becomes inconvenient to you. <laughs> oh, he's sing the cutest songs about sacrifice of praise. And it's like, ah. have you become inconvenient in your praise lately? Like, has it become uncomfortable to you? I'm going to push all of you because I think that this is an area we can grow in. Has it become uncomfortable? Have you stepped out of that place that feels comfortable to you and say, I, I want to step into a place that's uncomfortable? Maybe sing a little. I don't know what it looks like for you, but what does it look like to step into that place where praise now just left convenience? The realm of convenience doesn't produce supernatural results. Let's say that again. The realm of convenience doesn't produce supernatural results. 
<laughs> You're being too convenient. <laughs> oh, man. I li- I, I, we live this, my wife and I. We really do. We do our best to live this. We, we, if God says do it, we do it. And the more inconvenient it is, I realize the bigger payoff and, and the spirit realm is coming. God's going to move. And, and we have done this. We're, we're in the middle of this, and we, we're doing it now with things that we have said yes to Jesus. And sometimes you say such a bold yes to Jesus. Sometimes you sacrifice to such a place that you get into a spot where you're like, what next? Anybody ever been there when you're in the middle of the sacrifice? It doesn't, I didn't say that you immediately sacrifice and you immediately have supernatural results. That's the microwave version. I heard one preacher say, he's a crockpot God. <laughs> I know we're all going to air fryers and instapots and we're getting quicker, but the one preacher's like, he's a crockpot God. He just, he, he goes low and slow for hours, you know? And it's like we come in and we're like, man, I got two hours to get my miracle. Jesus doesn't even, he's not in that two, I mean, he'll be here, but he's not working within that two hours. And, and there are times where we step into this sacrifice and we wonder, whoa, like, are you going to show up? And we get rooted in that place and we begin to operate in this place of faith that we need to operate in. The Bible talks about a couple different kinds of faith. The Bible talks about faith and enduring faith. Two different faiths. <laughs> I've heard it said that faith brings results. Enduring faith brings results with character. <laughs> enduring faith is the process that you go on when Jesus invites you into something and you say yes and you sacrifice. And I was just prophesying this over a young lady this morning. And sometimes it feels like you just, you're trying to move forward and it feels like you're just being pulled back. I saw a picture of her, over this young lady. I saw her like a slingshot being pulled back, and I said, you're going to be released, and when you do, you're going to launch forward, but you're going to get there quicker with character. And I feel like the Lord, what he's inviting us into through this, this, this sacrifice, these sacrificial places of praise, is he knows how important it is that we step outside of inconvenience. Why? Because in that place of inconvenience, we find him. We find him in a way where it's, it's so powerful. Something interesting, if we read through, we're going to go to Acts for a moment. Acts chapter 2. And um, flip there with me if you would. Actually, I need to flip to that one. I don't have that one written down. You still with me, church? All right, thanks. I love this subject because it challenges me. I know if I get bored with my sermon, you're bored with it. So. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 40. So we know, just giving some context, we know in Acts chapter 2, we know that the Holy Spirit was poured out. We know that the Holy Spirit showed up like a flame on their heads. It was a big moment. We know that from there they went out, they began preaching. It says they're not drunk like you think. It didn't say they're not drunk. It said they're not drunk like you think. <laughs> I think they were babbling spirit-filled drunks right then. And people are like, what is wrong with them? And we know they began to speak in tongues. They know that they were saying things and people were hearing them speak in tongues. And they were declaring the goodness of God in different languages. Such a cool story. I've been in some moments in the spirit before. I used to play drums all the time when I was young. And uh, I remember I was playing drums at a conference one time. And I was really getting into the spirit. And I was playing. And I had a, um, a Native American Indian come up to me at the end. And she's like, I just, she's like, you blessed me so much. How did you know our tribe's rhythms. I was like, yeah, I don't know. And as, as I was playing in the spirit, apparently I began to play the sounds in the tr- of their tribe, the rhythms of their tribe. We see all that. This is what these guys were doing. They began to speak out. And <laughs> I love it that the first thing that the Holy Spirit had to say publicly was about the goodness of God. The first thing that the Holy Spirit had to say in the, in the infilling of the church was about how good God is. Yeah. 
And so there's this outfilling. They're drunk. Their people are coming to the Lord. And we see in verse 40, it says this. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept this baptized message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So how many know that's a pretty big number that was added to them? I've, I've, I've often said this. It's interesting that in Exodus 33 that 3,000 people, when the law, when the old covenant, when the law was given, 3,000 people died. When the, when, when the covenant of life was given, 3,000 came to Jesus. You're in a covenant of life now. That's a good place just for an amen. It's just good to know. I'm not going to get into that too much, but reading on. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. Everybody say every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is such a powerful scripture. They, are, it, they were in this place where they were absolutely amazed at what God was doing. Miracles. I mean, you guys, this is a big deal. Jesus was like, I want you to wait. I'm leaving, but it's better that you wait here for the one who's coming. They're waiting. They're praying. Holy Spirit shows up, boom, stuff happens. And they are excited. They're very excited. And we read on here, and it says that there was, it says there was thousands giving their lives to Jesus. And we see this, this scripture that I think is a ha- in the handbook of how do we sustain a move of God like this. If, what if I preached and everyone in this room got saved, and everyone next week brought, not that you're not saved, but let's say you aren't, And everyone brought a friend, and they got saved, and we were increasing exponentially. This is what they were experiencing. I I don't think we fully understand the the momentum that the church was experiencing right here. Thousands were coming to the Lord daily. And then we see, listen, you have to take time and with sincere hearts get together and break bread. This is so challenged by, depends on people's grace. You know, like some people are just that hospitality grace, and today you're just loving this. Thank you. Thank you. So often, like, people that are really evangelists are like, oh, such a waste of time. We just need to win people for Jesus. You know, and it's like, no, you need to be around people. Trust me. And you see these different graces, but he was telling us, listen, if you're going to sustain this, you have to spend time together. They say there's something interesting. I can't remember how many years later it was. I I thought I wrote it down. But um, they believe there was a certain, on Acts 2, I was trying to see if I wrote it down. I believe that they said by the end of Acts 2, it had been approximately five years when they wrote the end of this chapter. I think that's, I apologize, I didn't write it down, but I think that's important because they didn't, they wrote this after they had done some life together. They had realized reflecting, how many of you know, the older you get, the more you can reflect and the more you realize, could have done that differently. <laughs> it's a sound, of, I love he's raising his hand right now. <laughs> he's growing up quick, Carly. He's like, man. <laughs> I remember watching a kid get baptized in the Browns Revival. He was like eight or nine years old. He's like, I've been looking for this my whole life. And the place just lost it. He was so excited. He's like, I've been looking for this my whole life. And it probably felt really major to him. But uh, they had gone through some life, these guys. And when they wrote this, they had looked back and realized there's some things that we realized that had to happen. And one of them was that we had to make time to be together. That sacrifice of fellowship had to happen. There's no way we can sustain it. I don't know about you. I start running low when I'm not spending time with people. It's not that I I rely on people, but I find so much life just being around other kids of God. I find so much life in that. And some nights, man, I have to just hit hold on everything else and say, I 
trust me, ask Tiffany. I'll be like, I got to hit hold and spend some time with somebody. I just want to be with people tonight. Now, I'm an extrovert. Tiffany would be like, okay. And she'll just hang out and be happy, and I'll do all the talking. I get it. I'm different than other people in the room. But there's, there's, don't get me into the introvert, extrovert thing. I'll step on everyone's toes really quickly because I think it's some of the biggest excuses I ever hear is hidden in introversion and extroversion. But anyways, let's stay off of that because everyone's like, I'm an introvert. I'm like, okay. I read a statistic to our team this morning that even the most introverted person, uh, statistics show, they have influence in up to 10,000 people's life in their lifetime. Even the most introverted person, they believe that you have an impact up to 10,000 people in your life. You are the salt of the earth. Here they are, they're seeing, they're seeing revival, they're seeing cities being changed. Things are happening. And Paul tells them, says, listen, guys, you have every day to make time if you want to see a sustained move of God for a sacrifice of fellowship. You have to. Gates, I've worked really hard to this is going to sound bad, but Tiffany and I, one of the things we've struggled with is, don't get mad at me. I, I really struggle with people that just, if you come here just to fill up time to time, that's okay. But people that all they do is go from church to church just to float around. I'm not judging you, but I'm saying that you'll probably be uncomfortable here. Because we've worked hard to shift that, that culture of, conference floaters. I love conferences. I go to conferences. Don't get me wrong. But I don't believe that you were created just to find where the next wave is and go ride it somewhere else. And we've worked hard intentionally to try to create a culture where, honestly, people feel uncomfortable if that's all they're here to do is to come in and just to get. Why? I don't think that's what the word showed us. I don't think that that's what they told us that when he said that there's going to have to be sacrifice where you get connected, you serve, you do things, hospitality, you get in there. And we've, we've, gotten, we've got different realms of church, and so I've always been in, well, for a long time now, I've been in the real spirit-filled prophetic stream. And um, so many wonderful things in the spirit-filled prophetic stream. One of the biggest challenges is that people often don't get rooted in their local community. A lot of people don't think they need it. They just hide it and call it assignments all the time. Because they've been hurt by the local church, and it's easier for me just to say I'm always on a new assignment. I've heard this so many times. Now, please, if you are, I'm not saying that God won't put people on assignments. But I hear this often. People say, well, I'm just on assignment. And I'll, I'll challenge that, okay. That's fine, but I'm going to push into you. Because I believe that God wants his kids rooted in family. Because I believe that's how this was made to work. We're in a different age. We're in an age where you can go pick out 100 sermons on a podcast right now. So getting a word isn't hard anymore. You can get on Zoom and go get prophesied over. Everything's changing. You can get on Zoom and go get inner healing done. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just all changing. But I believe that the body of Christ requires assembling, coming together. You know, you buy some things and it says assembly required. The, the body of Christ, assembly is required. It doesn't work unless it's assembled. And when you begin to read through this and you begin to get these nuggets, it's like having a bicycle that came in pieces and it's not assembled yet. You get the fullness of it when assembly happens. All right. You're, you're real quiet. Let's keep moving. 
Jesus. I think that the sacrifice is what keeps us close to God. I think if we don't live in sacrifice, we'll find ourselves living in crisis. Say that again. I think it, the kingdom of God was designed to be drawn near to God in a sacri- in, through, the, through sacrifice. I believe if you don't do that, what we find most people doing is drawing near to God constantly through crisis. I see this with, we see this often with people that I don't believe God wants you to have to be out of money, broke, and desperate before you draw near to God. That's crisis. God wants you to draw near to him through sacrifice. So when crisis comes, you're rooted in him. And we saw this with the Israelites, right? We saw it took them 40 years to take an 11-day journey. 40 years. You think that yours has taken a while. 40 years for an 11-day journey. Why? Because they kept continually forgetting all that God had done for them. They didn't live in that place of sacrificial love towards him. They kept getting drawn away, and they would begin complaining, and then, you know, he... It would get that, we don't like this, we don't like this, we don't like this. And it just kept taking a long time. Because they kept forgetting. They kept forgetting what the Lord had done for them. And I think that historically, we, we can find ourselves in the same place often with the church. That we can, we, can, we can begin to forget what God has done for us. And then we just get stuck on a loop. I, I believe a couple things that even if I'm just being super honest with you, that I think that we need to be more intentional about around here is staying very connected to what God has done for us. Sacrifice, sacrificial praise, sacrificial fellowship, sacrificial good works unto him. I think as we begin to do these things, I think we don't get stuck in a cycle of, oh, here we are again. Here we are again. Here we are again. I believe that God will break that. But I believe that people, I, 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 I just want to see a house that's not only drawing near to God when everything's going wrong. How you doing? Well, I'm doing bad. I'm just drawing near to God right now. I would love to hear, how you doing? I'm doing great. Just draw near to God right now. I, I would be like, whoa. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> how you doing? Man, things are great. Just drawing close to God. I can give you Zechariah 10.1. In, in the time of rain, ask for the rain. What does that mean? When things, when it's pouring down rain, ask for more. When God's doing things, draw in even more. In the time of the rain, ask for rain. Don't, don't, don't wait until your crops are dead to start pushing in for the rain. When it's raining, come into a place of, Lord, thank you for the rain. I ask for more. When you come into a worship service and the presence of God falls in the room, thank you for your presence, God. I ask for more. When you're in, when you're, when you're in prayer in there and the presence of the Lord shows up, thank you for your presence, Lord. Just give us more. A lot of people just try to start with the idea of more when you won't have anything. It's hard to get more. More of nothing is nothing. <laughs> I, I, I love Randy Clark's ministry model because he's like, once you feel the Lord, let's ask for more. Because you can just try to hit people with the more button and they're like, it just doesn't happen. But what is God doing? Recognize it. That's, what, that's where the, the Israelites took forever is because they wouldn't just recognize what God was doing. So just recognize it. And then give him praise. You hear me, Gate? Give him praise. I know this, I know this sounds simple, but it's roots of, of who we're called to be. It's things that I, I find that if people don't actually become intentional and realize that community, if you want to be in community, it's going to cost you. 
going to cost you. If you want to be a place that, that steps into the fullness of what God has called this place to be with worship, it will cost you. God has an amazing call on this worship team. I'm not con- Hear me out. I know they're not worship, but in this house, they help lead us into a place of worship. There's a huge call on them. Pray for this worship team. I have watched more happen to them in the past three months since Brian Simmons came through and prophesied. Actually, Candace had a vision of them on a huge stage in the city, influencing the city for worship. And then Randall Worley came through, and the first thing he said is, I feel something about this worship team. And then I watched resistance just come in like a wave. But God is moving through this team. He's moving powerfully through them. You, but listen, their job is to come in and to hear heaven and to release it. What changes a city is when people, children of God, start saying, I'm going to enter into a place past convenience. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you, and it's going to look foolish. That's what begins to change the community. That's when things begin to happen. That's what sustains a move of God. One of the things that can hurt us with, with a move of God or getting there is not dealing with hurts and pains often connected to previous moves of God. Okay, I'm going to explain that a little bit. Here we go. I can feel it in the room like, oh, I thought you were done. It's only 1130, guys. <laughs> One of our good friends, uh, her name is Trisha Frost, and her husband is Jack Frost. Yes, his name is Jack Frost. And yes, Jack Frost was led to the Lord by Jack Winter. True story. Pretty cool, right? It's really weird, (laughs) but it's very true. And um, I never got to meet Jack Frost, but we really got to be good friends with Trisha Frost. And um, we go down once a year and spend a week with her at her house, and our kids really love her, and we love her. And I've got to hear a lot about her husband, Jack, in the process. And she, was, she would tell me that Jack was really unique because he, he could walk up to people and immediately be able to sense with them the age that um, basically where they spiritually stopped growing. He could say it was 17 or 22. or 30. He, The Lord would give him discernment often of where the pain happened, and at that moment they stopped growing. And, I mean, this isn't just, this is, I mean, he had some words about people that are, you know, the big dogs, right? And he would get like, oh, they're like 34. Something happened to them, and it stopped. And, and what would happen is, is that it would halt them because of a pain that happened in their life that didn't allow them to get to go any further. And so they would come in and help them through just walking through the process of forgiveness and everything like that, that often, how many know is important to getting, moving forward? It's really important, guys. And, um, and so what we often see with people is, is that something happened to them throughout life and it has stopped them from being able to move forward into the new things that the Lord has for the body of Christ. And what you get is you get where you're always looking back at how great this move was. You're <laughs> Man, if we could just have this one again. Oh, remember those songs? Can we just sing those again? And what happens is you can begin to identify that something often with people gets stuck in a past move of God. And, and God often has to bring healing in your heart to bring you from that place where you can actually open your heart and what he's doing in the earth now. A lot of people I can find immediately say, oh, you were hurt by someone here. That's why you shut down. And going through that healing and forgiveness process, I don't know why the Lord's taking me here, but we're going to hang here a minute. Going through that process is really important for the body of Christ to be able to move forward with where God is taking us. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, uh, some people don't really like inner healing. Yes, it was paid for. Yes, it's all done. So is your healing. Doesn't mean you don't have to pray for healing. Everything was taken care of on the cross. At times, though, it takes us going and taking what God did on the cross and saying, I'm taking it and I'm releasing it into this area of my life. That's one of the things I appreciate really a lot about Pastor David. He's such a blessing to us there. You're a blessing in a lot of areas, but he's, he's really a blessing about that because he's very, very spirit-led at helping people see some of those things.
even if they don't want to. <laughs> he is. And it's so important that we, here's the deal, if you don't deal with it, the enemy is happy to pull the rug out from underneath you some point along the way because you just let him. Because unforgiveness is the devil's playground. I want to see it. I want to see the Lord move, and I want to see it go from glory to glory every week. I, I have I have feelings of what's what's on the horizon, and that's why God has brought me back to talking about this again. The importance of this, because even for us as a staff, it can get you can get really busy. I found a scripture that I was going to read to you. Even as leaders, how many of you know that even leaders they don't get out of this either. First Thessalonians 2.8 said, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you have become so dear to us. It is our responsibility to share the gospel with everyone, but it is our privilege to share our lives with people. It's our responsibility to share the gospel with everyone, but it's a privilege that we get to share our lives with them. I want to challenge you, Gate. I want to challenge you on this. Step outside of inconvenience in these areas. Step outside of inconvenience and fellowship. Yes, you're busy. Yes, I'm busy. Yes, we're all busy. Make time. That's why it's a sacrifice. Do it. It's really that easy. Because it's when we begin to do that, when God moves and when something happens, especially in the house, like when Jesus, maybe it's Jesus, maybe it's not, but something happens. You want to know what keeps you connected? It's when your heart is rooted and says, I've done life with you. I'm not walking away. It was the 12 disciples that said, we've done life with you for a while. Uh, I know what you're saying doesn't make sense, but I'm not going to walk away over it. That's powerful. That's kingdom. And that's what can sustain a move of God. Because you, I'm going to tell you right now, wonky things will happen. People are going to hurt your feelings. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. People will hurt your feelings. I could likely hurt your feelings. You may hurt my feelings. But if God's called us to do this together, we have to stay rooted, and we have to stay connected, and we have to walk in these. And so I felt like God wanted me to bring this back. I feel like, you know, <laughs> you know, you take a long road trip sometimes, and if you strap down something on the back of your truck after a few, mile, few, few hours, you have to get out and tighten up the straps. I feel like after so long, it's like you keep moving forward, you need to retighten the straps on some areas. And I feel like that's where we're at right now. The Lord's like, you need to get out and retighten down some straps because they're getting a little bit loose. And so I'm going to be hitting on some of these things. But listen, I believe God's going to move powerfully. I got so many cool dreams that I could tell you. One of my, I'll give you one. I'll end you on a happier note. I, I've had so many dreams. I'm a dreamer. Most of what I get is through dreams. I had a dream a few years ago back. Most of you probably haven't heard this unless you've been to the church at least a few years. But um, I had a dream a number of years ago where uh, it was probably the most impacting dream I've had since I've been pastoring. Was that I, I, uh, I immediately, in this dream, I realized I was with a group of people in our church and we were standing in this like concrete, it was concrete floors, concrete walls on the sides, but we were outside. And we were just having a good time, just, just hanging out, chit-chatting. And then I started looking around, and I realized that, um, you know where there's a dam and there's a huge, like, waterway? We were standing in the waterway on the other side of the dam. And I remember looking up, and I thought, uh-oh. I just had this feeling, like, I was like, uh-oh. And I remember everyone was just, just happy, and I had this overwhelming feeling, like, we don't know what's getting ready to hit us. And I started feeling like something, and then... All of a sudden, you heard this just, eh, 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 eh. I was like, 
Oh, boy. And I remember one lady, uh, one lady who in the dream represented someone who had been through a bunch of moves of God is what she represented in my dream. She tried to get out, but she fell, and we caught her. And um, all of a sudden, the water, the waterway opens, and you just, the water begins to gush out. And we got hit. This is where it was a cool dream. Because we're, we're all of a sudden, we are sucked up, and we are floating, and we are spinning. And I remember coming to this place where I thought, this is fun. I hate roller coasters, so this is definitely not the Lord. Like, this is not me, because this is like, would scare me to death. But we're, we're being thrown around, and when we come up, when we come up, there are news stations waiting everywhere to talk to us about what was it like. This is a big dream, if you know anything about dreams, because it had to do with about God wanting to outpour on this house. And it had to do with influence. And it had to do with you're going to just get taken away. You're not going to be able to control it. How many know when God really moves, you can't control it? Come on, Gate. How many know when God really moves, you can't control You guys are getting really quiet. That was an easy, that was a out of the park on that one, right? When God moves, you can't control it. When he comes in, when you pray for a move of God, he's not going to come in and just sit on the back row and say, this is cute. He's going to take over. That's what he's going to do. And when he moves, we need to be rooted in community. We need to be connected to each other. We need to be walking in sacrificial praise, amen, and sacrificial fellowship. And so that's where we're going. Let's stand up, and I'm going to pray. Uh, if we have a, a prayer team this morning, I'm going to welcome those individuals to come up. Here's what I felt. Here's what I felt. When I was praying, I felt all of a sudden a wave through the room of people who have been hurt and past moves of God and other churches. And maybe here. If you've been hurt here, please feel free to tell us. We're not afraid of your hurt. Okay? Let them get up here. I feel like God wants to do some healing this morning. And so we're going to end on this, but we're going to let the Holy Spirit move. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are so good. And that you're calling us on FaceTime somewhere right now in this room. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would just give us a baptism of courage and boldness. To be able to step into this place of sacrifice that it requires to be able to steward and sustain a move of God. Lord, if we have hurts and pains that have been hanging on, Lord, we ask that you would highlight them right now and that you would help us to just remove those things. We love you, Jesus. We declare just, Lord, you have good plans for this house. You have good plans for these people. You love your children. We love you, Jesus. You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.